Good evening. The television and radio stations of the United States and their affiliated stations are proud to provide facilities for a discussion of issues in the current political campaign by the two major candidates for the presidency. The candidates need no introduction. The Republican candidate, Vice President Richard M. Nixon, and the Democratic candidate, Senator John F. Kennedy. In 1960, John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon faced off in the first ever televised presidential debate. And it forever changed the landscape of not only the campaign, but the political process itself. You see, it generated a giant push towards the concepts of creating a public image. It told us that not just the opinions and experience mattered, but also the physical appearance, voice, and overall presentation. Leading up to the debate on September 26th, it was said that Nixon had a string of what you might call bad luck. He was recovering from the flu in addition to a knee injury that was exacerbated before the debate when he bumped it, and reportedly, he was just overall exhausted. Kennedy, on the other hand, was reported as being well-rested and prepared. And during the televised debate, Kennedy spoke directly to the camera, while Nixon often shifted his gaze off-camera to various reporters, a move that was interpreted as him avoiding eye contact with the public. And after having already earned the nickname of Tricky Dick, the shifty eye contact only seemed to add to the equation. But it wasn't just eye contact and charisma. Cosmetics played a role as well. Kennedy showed up to the debate with a natural bronze glow that <laughs> reportedly made him appear healthier. Meanwhile, Nixon was kind of just a pale, makeup-dripping gray mess. <laughs> In addition to his naturally pale complexion, his face makeup, and by the way, he supposedly used that to cover up his five o'clock shadow, it was basically melting off under the hot studio lights, and then his gray suit seemed to have him basically blend into the backdrop. And one, one famous reaction was from Chicago Mayor Richard J. Daley, who reportedly said, quote, My God, they've embalmed him before he even died. End quote. Although Nixon cleaned up his act for the final three debates, the damage may have already been done. And as we know, though it was a narrow election, Kennedy won. And Kennedy, by the way, was a total stud, you guys. <laughs> uh, but to end with a statement from History.com, quote, Polls revealed that more than half of all voters had been influenced by the great debates, while 6% claimed that the debates alone had decided their choice. Whether or not the debates cost Nixon the presidency, they were a major turning point in the 1960 race and in the history of television. Televised debates have become a permanent feature of the American political landscape, helping to shape the outcome of both primary and general elections. Along with distinguishing themselves from their opponents, Candidates have the opportunity to showcase their oratory skills or betray their inarticulateness, display their sense of humor or reveal their lack thereof, and capitalize on their rivals' gaps or seal their fate with a slip of the tongue. Two years after the Kennedy-Nixon debates, the man on the losing end acknowledged their importance and his fatal misstep in his memoir, Six Crises. Quote, I should have remembered that a picture is worth a thousand words. End quote. Hi guys, I'm Kesa, and this is Conversations with Kesa. Let's all say it together, guys. Debates matter. Okay, watching the presidential debate, and by the way, I'm putting that in quotes, the presidential debate, um, was cringeworthy. 
Trump bulldozed his way through blatantly lying, hurling personal attacks, and fluffing up his ego, you know, what he does best. And then Biden, who I support, was less than impressive, to put it lightly. And frankly, I mean, just to be honest, he looked like he was on his way to the morgue. Very, very pale. And by the way, I wouldn't label either of these people as good debaters. They're not. And we all know people like this. But having experience and knowledge base doesn't need to translate to being a good debater, right? Just like how someone can be excellent at writing raps, but perhaps they're awful at delivering them, it shouldn't take away their credibility at writing raps. No, we know they are good at that. All it could mean is that they aren't good at delivering those raps. And in the same breath, someone might be good at delivery and horrible at conception. And then, of course, we have all, all the, you know, the conundrum about physical appearance and all of that. And the same concept holds true with debates. So today's episode is going to be all about debates, arguments, and the extreme importance of convincing independents and undecided voters to vote in favor of protecting a healthy democratic process. story time. So uh, in college, I signed up for what became one of my favorite classes, Essentials of Argumentation. And I didn't need this class. I just saw it on the roster and was like, oh my God, of course, get me into that class immediately. So this class was all about the art of argument. And whoa, whoa, hold on, guys. Argument doesn't mean fighting. It was not fighting. It was not altercation, but arguing. And there's a big difference. You see, argument is simply an exchange of opposing views. It can be a debate. And while every term can turn into a discussion about semantics, at its core, that's all an argument is, an exchange of opposing views. However, for terms like fighting or altercation, there's like a heightened emotional and violent aspect, right? There's no rules, anything goes, gloves are off. Um, so, so just know, moving forward, that when I say argument, I mean a respectful exchange of statements intended to determine the degree of truth at hand. And that last part is huge, so I'm going to repeat it. The intention is to determine the degree of truth at hand. And unfortunately, that's something that's become almost foreign to an unnerving amount of people these days. I remember sitting in that college argumentation class and watching people get up to have their mock debates with each other. Some people, they thrived, okay? They enjoyed it. They were in their motherfucking element, probably me. (laughs) And others, it was like watching a car crash. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. They were fidgety, visibly uncomfortable, getting hung up on their words. And if it happened to be that luck wasn't on their side, they would end up facing an excellent debater. And then they were just done. It was done. Um, And because I've always been Captain Savaho. When I would see these people who clearly didn't feel comfortable standing up in class and debating, I would literally like have my hands clenched so tight I was sweating because I would want to run up there and stand by their side and just like argue the debate for them, but I knew I couldn't. <laughs> it was like watching a lamb, a, a, an innocent lamb, walk into a lion's den and just have the lion just crush it. And after the painful debate, the class would inevitably vote for the lion. And frustratingly to me, they wouldn't pay attention to the very valid points that the lamb would be making. I'm not saying all lambs would make those points because a lot of them didn't, but some would. And I'd be like, you guys, they're making great points. Are we just, we're just going to judge them on their performance? And yes, that's exactly what everyone did. And that's what we all do because we're all judgy poop holes. 
So the main point is the debate was about so much more than the topic. So even if some of my more timid classmates had good points, they didn't have the ability to convey them in a way that appealed to their audience. Now, throughout this class, we learned about logic and reason, flaws to such, including, um, you know, the fallacies, and really just all components of constructing sound arguments and having respectful debates. What we also learned about was the art of appeal, ethos, logos, and pathos. So why do I bring all of this up now? Well, because it pertains to our perception of the presidential debates we watched and because it will help us communicate with those who hold opposing views. And in order to have a healthy and respectful conversation, we have to understand not only our motives, but also ourselves and the people with whom we are communicating with. So let's get into it. Why are we arguing and what is the point? Not all arguments are created equal. In my eyes, arguments are largely defined by the intention or the goal. And unfortunately, not all arguments these days are formed with the intention of determining the degree of truth. And even more complex, arguments can be infused with many different intentions and can have layers of complexity. So maybe you started out with one goal and like one argument style, and then you quickly and unintentionally wound up in a completely different place. Guys, I got news for you. Sometimes people argue just because they like to argue. Yep, they really do. Not because they want to figure out the truth or because they are actually like deeply invested in a certain viewpoint. No, just simply because they, they like to argue. They enjoy the act of arguing. And story time again, I had one of these guys in my class and he was nothing but the ultimate worst. I mean, ugh, he, he like never really seemed to care about the root issue being discussed. He just wanted to argue. So, you know, it doesn't matter with who, it doesn't matter what the topic was, like people would be on one side and there he'd be on the other side, just, you know, crop dusting his bad juju. And I'm like, bro, come on, you're taking up all of the time uh, and all of our resources arguing stuff that doesn't matter, like arguing silly things just because he liked arguing. And by the way, guys, arguing semantics can actually be a really effective strategy for winning an argument, which is again unfortunate, but also I am confident that's not his strategy. He wasn't doing that. He was just being annoying. He just wanted to be annoying. So. <laughs> Another thing is that people can also argue for the sake of tearing down their opponent, building up their own ego or their perceived rightness or, 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 you know, we all love to be right, but the list can go on and on for why people like to argue. Um, but as we know, our intentions or our goals guide our actions. They guide our strategy. So if someone has the goal to win a debate or an argument at any and all costs, they would first define, of course, what win meant to them, and then they would develop a strategy to give them the best opportunity to have that happen. Ah, and now we are getting into the meat of modern day argument and debate. The 2020 presidential debate solidified two things to me. One, that Biden is an effing terrible debater and frankly, just an okay public speaker at best. <laughs> and while Biden wasn't my first, second, third, fourth, or fifth choice, his inability to debate at any level that I would appreciate <laughs> doesn't 
you know, it doesn't change my level of support for him. I just now understand, ah, these are not areas that Biden excels at. Uh, And I still believe that a Biden-Harris ticket would be a good combination and catalyst for meaningful and positive change if we are all in support and paying attention, as always. It's not just, oh, let me cast a vote for these people and then I'm not going to pay attention for the next four years. No, they, you know, you have to be constantly involved. So uh, and also, by the way, they're not going to be as dramatic as Bernie was. But unfortunately, people weren't ready for Bernie. So that's that. And then the second thing that was solidified after watching these debates for me is that Trump, ah, Trump, he's willing to say anything and everything, including bald-faced lies and personal insults at people, disregarding the rules in order to win, talking over the moderator, talking over Biden, throwing out misinformation and false accusations, denying the fact that You guys, he paid a measly $750 in federal income taxes in 2017. And he paid no income taxes in 10 of the 15 years, starting in 2000. Come on. And by the way, guys, hopefully bullying and deceit are things that we will all decide are completely unacceptable to us including those of us who are independent or undecided voters. You see, stating facts, communicating respectfully, and adhering to rules, it takes a lot more effort than operating in unscrupulous ways. Point blank. And we as a country, as a society, we really need to come together and decide what our shared values are, and then uphold these. Do we value honesty? Do we value treating people well? Do we value respectful communication? God, every time I get poignant, I mess up. What the heck is that about? Do we value respectful communication? Then we need to start acting like it. Channel your efforts towards independence and undecided voters. With November 3rd right around the corner, it's really important for all of us to direct our resources in the most effective way. That is, towards independent or undecided voters. You know, the people who aren't solidly in one camp or the other. My call to action is for everyone to temporarily pause on arguing with the deeply invested MAGA Trump supporters. You know, just pause on that. And maybe, by the way, maybe you never return to that. Because research actually shows that those people may never change their positions regardless of facts presented. So they would simply be what I call a resource suck at this point in time. You see, if someone is deeply rooted in their beliefs, they may be impossible, truly impossible to sway in another direction, regardless of how disproven their beliefs are. And this all centers around the concept of cognitive dissonance, and that's a subject I'll be covering over the next few weeks, and a subject I wrote a book on, by the way, that I haven't published yet, but I'm not going to discuss it today. The most important people to allocate resources towards are the undecided or those who have perhaps only loosely aligned themselves with Trump. The goal is to sway their opinions back to the good side with facts and emotional appeal. The idea is to target their hearts, to create a connection between the two of you, to offer them scapegoats. According to literally all sound research I've done, including Drew Weston, a psychology professor at the 
and, by the way, an author of the classic text on political communication, quote, the political brain, you want to create a shared connection with these independent people. You want to let them know that you share their values and you understand them. You want to encourage people to let their guard down so that they can be more receptive to the truth. As much as we might want to sometimes, it's likely not a good approach to bulldog people saying, listen, bitch, you are wrong, your logic is flawed, and for the love of God, Fox News is not a credible source. It's off-putting. Okay, it's very off-putting to people. How you communicate is maybe even more important than what you are communicating. If not, it's at the very least equal to it. Like how you communicate a message. To me, a successful debate ends in uncovering the truth. Respectful and thoughtful communication can lead to both parties feeling generally good about how things have transpired. And that should be the goal. We don't want to steamroll people just to get a point across. We want to level with them. If we can, we want to find points of shared interest and shared values. At the end of the day, we all have to get along. Our decisions impact one another and sometimes to a great degree. And in order to understand each other, sometimes it means taking a step back taking a deep breath in and analyzing the situation. You know, sometimes people really are far too different to be able to come together. Our values, lifestyles, and traditions can be in direct conflict with one another. So the idea of a utopian society, that's kind of erroneous. But it doesn't mean we don't try. As always, guys, if you have any questions or comments about this or any other podcast, I would love to hear from you. Uh, And make sure you give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help, and it helps me get my message out to those who may really need to hear it. So thank you.